1: Thirty-six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost fifty pounds.
0: Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right?
1: For full important safety information visit juviterm.com.
2: My girlfriend and I were hiking around Western Maryland and I started getting an eerie feeling and I seen something following or stalking us. But it wasn't as big as what I've heard these dog men to be. Also there's a little equipment yard where I sometimes work on vehicles and behind the yard is a corn field and it had been cut down. And in the middle of this field is an island of trees. While I was working one afternoon I heard what sounded like 50 wolves howling at once. I turned around and seen something crouching down very low to the ground, coming out of the island of trees. Looked a lot like the thing that had been following my girlfriend and I but that was at least 20 miles away. Also, there's an area nearby where my father told me that he and his friends would see this wolfman thing running next to their vehicle in the 1960s, and supposedly had killed a lot of livestock in the area. I came across this article of something called the Snarly Yow. It was on the same mountain my father has all these werewolf stories about. I will try to upload the article for you. The area is around Hagerstown, Maryland. On the night I had my brief encounter, it was unusually slow. During slow parts of my night, I park outside the facility I work out of and watch the wildlife. It's abundant, with a mixture of fox, coyotes, raccoons, and every once in a while, I'll spy a red wolf breaking the wood line, trotting across an open field, in search of small game. Our facility is located on a dead-end street, which backs up to a major creek and to the left, we have a smaller creek that breaks off of the larger one. Both creeks are fed by a large river, about a mile away. I should also mention that we have large patches of woodland that lead to our facility and that the area does not have a lot of light until you turn into the parking area. About a week prior to my encounter, I would sit at the end of the road to complete my paperwork and wait for the next call to come. As I parked there, I would get a sense of being watched. I would look up, almost expecting someone to be standing in front of my truck. Let me say that darkness or the woods do not spook me or make me jumpy. I was raised in the swamp, close to a river and rather enjoy the solitude. Not only did I have a sense of being watched and sharing my space with someone, I noted that there were no normal night sounds, such as crickets and frogs. I also found it baffling that all the wildlife seemed to be gone from the area. This really bothered me. I couldn't figure it out. On the night I had my encounter, I decided to leave some wet dog food at the edge of the woodline, hoping to entice a family of raccoons out, so I could at least see that they were okay. This family of raccoons, I had watched grow up from kits and not seeing them bothered me. Also, I didn't see a grey fox that would hang around that area. This fox would come within four to five feet from you but would be guarded all the while. He would hang out with certain people and then retreat back into the woods. Anyway, I popped the top off of some smelly dog food and as I was pulling the top off the can, I heard a deep growl come from out of the edge of the wood line. I had never heard an animal growl with such force and so deeply. At first, I thought it could have been a Jake break, from the interstate. That can be heard from our facility but that's not what it was. I could feel hear it from the wood line, hitting my face and felt the growl inside of my chest, pretty much like a vibration. I knew this was not a bear, the same as someone knows their left hand from their right. You just know. And yes we do have bear here, but I can tell you quite bluntly and very firmly, this was not a bear or any other wildlife that was normal to the area. I dropped my head down and refused to look up. I dumped the can of food on the ground with one hard thump, hoping whatever was in the woodline would rather have the can of food, instead of me. I backed away with my head down until I reached my truck. My instinct told me to drive away and so I did. About half an hour later, I returned, due to my curiosity overruling my common sense. Being a natural skeptic, I was prepared to figure out the earlier event. I parked in the same place and this time had walked to the back of my truck to smoke. While standing there, I observed a dark mass come across the road and disappear into an open field, that is mostly overgrown with wild blackberry bushes and grass. I have a trained eye. I take in a lot of detail, and still, I admit to suffering from short-term memory loss, due to a TBI that ended my law enforcement career. What I saw at that moment, though, will be in my memory forever. I can only describe this creature as what I took at the time to be some kind of a hybrid. Although it was on all fours, to me, it did not appear natural. It moved with very quick, fluent motions. Looking back, I was most surprised by the creature having the intelligence to attempt to appear natural. Something was off with its gait, though. It was kind of like the front legs were pulling its body forward. The back was hunched at the shoulders and it had a long back. The creature was black, which I can only describe as a dark mass, with no reflection. I also noted it had a small animal in its mouth. The strange part was that I could see the definition of most of the small animal, compared to the darkness of the creature that I now believe to be a dog-man. The snout was long but fit its body. What struck me most were its ears. They were folded back like you might see on a Dutch Shepherd or German Shepherd. I guess, with my background, working with dogs, the ears were clearly defined to me. I can't say what kind of tail it had or what color its eyes were. I just know it was there one minute and gone the next. When daylight came, I looked for tracks, but listened to my gut and did not enter the field looking for it. The ground leading out of the smaller creek was covered in grass and what dirt was there was hard. I was left baffled but more amazed than anything. I sat on my experience for several months. I didn't tell anyone about it. I then started searching the internet for what I had seen. I guess, in my mind, I wondered if it was some type of hybrid created by man and had escaped. I found several sites on the internet, but none seemed to come close to what I had seen. Nothing until I came across a picture of a dog man. If you take what I saw and stand it upright, instead of being on all fours, well Vic, that's what I saw. With a doubt. I'm pretty sure this dog man was a young adult but it wasn't overly massive. What I ponder the most is the fact the dog man had to catch my scent before clearing the wood line. I know scent. I know how it works. The dog man knew I was there before coming out of the woods. I suppose that will be the answer I will never have. After a few months of keeping my experience to myself, I spoke with a few of my co-workers. Of course, they told me it was a bear or a large wolf, but they did acknowledge that the wildlife had disappeared for a while. I was told to share my story but I think it was only so my co-worker could get a good laugh at me behind my back. I stand by what I saw, although I don't speak about it much, because of people like him. I did reach out to you a few months ago and you kindly responded back. For that, I thank you. I have never been fascinated by Bigfoot or other similar creatures, although I did respond to a Bigfoot call, off the record, for a law enforcement friend, but at this point, I am consumed with what I saw that morning and learning more about it. I am grateful that you are around, for support, for people like me. Thank you for allowing me to share my encounter. As I write this, I am once again on night shift, parked at the same spot where I had my encounter. I'm pretty sure that Dog Man has left the area. Wildlife is back and the night sounds are all around. I guess I will always wonder if it will come back again, but I can't say I will ever walk the woods at night again, looking for animal tracks by myself. In the midst of the unforgiving Arizona desert, a group of us hunters had embarked on a daring expedition. We were seasoned outdoorsmen, adventurers drawn to the challenge of the arid, desolate landscape. It was on the fourth day of our excursion that we stumbled upon the eerie sight. A stark contrast to the relentless sun overhead, the burial Native American ground emerged before us. Ancient, weathered gravestones and markers, some toppled by time, adorn the desolation. We could feel it then, an unseen presence that sent shivers down our spines, a lingering energy that whispered tales of sorrow and vengeance. One fateful evening, tensions within our group began to escalate. As disagreements grew heated, we decided to split into two parties temporarily, each searching for the elusive desert game. I found myself accompanying Jake, a fellow hunter whose unwavering courage was matched only by a stubbornness. As the sun dipped below the horizon, our group's laughter and camaraderie faded into the distance. Alone in the eerie twilight, we felt the weight of the desolate landscape closing in on us. The distant howls of coyotes only added to our unease. It was then that I saw it, a shadowy figure in the distance, moving with unnatural grace. It seemed to be watching us, its gaze unwavering and chilling. My heart quickened as I realized what we were facing. It was a skinwalker, a creature of Navajo said to possess the ability to shapeshift and bring darkness wherever it roamed. The skinwalker, as it moved closer, revealed its grotesque form. It was tall and emaciated, its limbs elongated and twisted. Its skin was pallid, stretched tautly over its bony frame, and it seemed to wear the tattered remains of animal hides as if to mock the creatures it had once been. Its eyes, pools of malevolence in the dim light, held a sickening hunger that sent shivers down my spine. Without warning, the skinwalker lunged at us, its movements fluid and unnatural. We reacted on instinct, fumbling for our weapons, and opening fire. Gunshots shattered the eerie silence of the desert night, but the creature seemed to defy reality darting between bullets with inhuman speed. Panicked, we turned and ran, our hearts pounding in our chests. The haunting wails of the skinwalker echoed behind us, chilling our souls. We ran faster, the unforgiving terrain becoming an obstacle course in our desperate flight for survival. Eventually, we stumbled upon the rest of our group, gasping for breath and terrified by what we had witnessed. We told them our harrowing encounter, of the skinwalker that had stalked us in the desert night, of its grotesque form and relentless pursuit. But skepticism clouded their faces, and nervous laughter filled the air. Some desert legend, one of them scoffed, dismissing our story as a product of exhaustion and fear. But Jake and I knew the truth. We had come face to face with a creature that defied explanation. For many years, I was a park ranger. The most memorable thing that happened to me was in 1986. If you lived through the era, you don't need me to describe it for you, and if you didn't, you've probably gotten a sense of what it was like through movies, music, and TV. There was a vividness in the air that was unlike anything else. On my days off, I was always seeing movies now regarded as classics of the era. Most of the rangers did that on their days off and after a shift, it wasn't uncommon for us to go to the local mall and hang out in the food court. Since then, the mall has been demolished after years of decline. But I still have the memories. And even if we did have work, we still had plenty of fun. Every Friday night, we would check out the latest movies released at the local video store. Because we would take our selections to the ranger station that served as our office, pop them in the VCR and spend the rest of the shift watching our selections. This was before cell phones, when a movie being released on video was a big deal, and before there was the endless choices of TV or entertainment you have today. So being able to watch movies on the job with my fellow rangers was an event. Some of the best memories I have of my job as a park ranger, and of the era in general, were movie nights at the ranger station. But of course, Sometimes reality can be stranger than any movie. The week it all started, it had been raining on and off for a few days before, so we spent most of our shifts in the ranger station. I was working the day shift on that particular afternoon. It was late spring, and the air in that area near the mountains was crisp and fresh. So refreshing, it almost feels unnatural. But even the air is nothing compared to the view. You don't see it so much as you feel it. It's an experience. But then nature often is. Many times, I had moments that felt more like a vivid dream than a day at work. The pine trees were so lush, green, and vibrant that they stuck out vividly against the bright blue sky and the crisp white clouds. The thick outer layer of pine trees surrounding the park sloped down at a perfect angle, and there were enough trees that you could smell the scent of pine even if you weren't incredibly close, which was fine by me. I've always loved the refreshing smell of pine. I also love seeing the tops of the trees swaying when it's windy. And driving down the hills and slopes of the park with the windows open in the middle of summer is absolutely magnificent. To make matters even better, the grass had just been mowed, and the smell hung in the air. The grass itself had been cut in rows that were so precise, you could trace them all the way to the park's fence. I'd seen it done a thousand times, and the effect was always so crisp and neat, regardless of what trees, flowers, benches, or buildings were nearby. I knew the park employees who did it, and never failed to be impressed by their work. But that's the thing about nature, even the parts of it we can have some influence over never fails to be a sight to see. As I was walking past a cluster of picnic benches, I briefly looked to the left and saw something sitting there on the ground in front of the area. It was a plastic mask someone might wear as part of a Halloween costume, lying discarded on the grass like it had been forgotten. I stood there, unsure of what exactly to think. Was this some kind of a joke? Or was this all deliberate? Back then, it seemed much more likely that something was a joke or an accident, because in order to film something, you needed an actual camera to do it. So I was leaning towards a joke. But if this was a joke, Then who was it being played on? The mask was one of those that covers your entire head. With its fangs and other features, I guess this one was supposed to be a vampire. A costume store throwaway that could be gotten a million different places for a few bucks. But it obviously didn't wind up here by itself, so what was the reason why? After a moment or two, I radioed my superiors. They told me to sit tight, and they'd come check it out. They did. And they decided to just log the find in the record and told me and the others to keep an eye out for more of them. That's not surprising, because most of the job is just keeping an eye out for anything odd. So I went on with the rest of my day and eventually, like most things, it wound up being just a story. Everyone working there had their own, and this happened to be one of mine. A story that wouldn't continue until several weeks later. It was warm out, but with the sun setting, The air was getting just a bit cooler. As I headed back to the ranger station from where I had been double checking something, I could see the sun peeking out from behind the trees. It wasn't quite dusk yet, but it wouldn't be long before it was time. The day had been one of those perfect spring days where it was warm, but not humid, and you can feel summer in the air. There was also some fog out, which is always interesting in the woods but my favorite part of night time out here was that on clear nights, the moon would reflect off the lake's calm surface. The lake was surrounded by a quarry, so it wasn't easy to get to. I don't have much reason to go down by the lake, but when I do, and the sun is setting, it's magnificent to see. Aside from a single wooden dock that's kept locked up, there's no way to access the lake. Not that you would want to go swimming in it because it's all rocky soil that's a nightmare to walk on. And there's not much fish in it, so it's not much good for fishing either. But that view at sundown, sunset, or when the moon is full, beats any fishing or swimming in my opinion. I've always loved lakes and ponds, and this one was no exception. I love hearing the croak of frogs and the hum of insects. Nothing says summer to me like hearing crickets and seeing the fireflies floating over the water while the smell of campfires and charcoal linger in the air. It wasn't warm enough for fireflies yet, but the light stationed around the pavilions had drawn in the usual insects that were swarming around the light. I was just about to keep walking when I noticed something small sitting there on the dock. I couldn't quite make out what it was from this distance, so I got my binoculars from my truck and took a closer look. There was no doubt it was another mask. How did it get down there? The dock and the lake are both carefully monitored, so I had no idea. But I wasted no time radioing it in, and they agreed to send some more rangers my way. I spent the rest of the time keeping an eye out on the area, hoping to catch a glimpse of whoever had been leaving the masks around. I stood there and watched as a team of rangers went to the dock, took a few polaroid photos, and eventually put the mask in a bag to log the find. This one was noted with a bit more concern, because it meant someone unauthorized got access to the lake. But just like last time, there wasn't much to be done besides make a note and keep an eye out for anything more significant. So I went home and had some dinner before I relaxed for the rest of the evening. Nothing significant happened for about a month after that. Summer and all the outside activities that come with it meant we were all kept busy. It was also possible that the increased crowds may have also temporarily scared off whoever was leaving the masks lying around. But one evening, after a hot day with a cloudless sky, I was patrolling the area and my truck. With the air conditioning blasting on high, I made my rounds to make sure nothing was going on. I had just finished one section of the park and was about to head to the one adjacent to it when there, sitting by a pine tree, was another mask. My stomach lurched slightly as I realized it looked very similar to the first one I discovered. But it was different from the second one. Which is exactly what I told the ranger station when I radioed the find in. And just like the other times, they logged it in and told me to keep an eye out for anything else. This had officially become odd, which everyone at the park agreed on. Halloween wasn't for another few months, so there wasn't a clear reason these masks were turning up. There wasn't a store that sold Halloween masks like this for miles, and none of them had any in stock. This was in 1986, so not only was this a time when people didn't advertise for holidays months in advance, you certainly couldn't jump on the internet and order Halloween stuff to be delivered to your house. So that meant whoever had done this had to have gone through special planning to just get these masks before they were deliberately brought here. I loved Halloween as much as anyone, but I was puzzled and unnerved by someone deliberately leaving these masks around. When my shift ended, I went home, threw some dinner into the microwave, then went to bed. The rain was pouring when I woke up the next morning. That wasn't a surprise, since the humidity had been stifling and it was only a matter of time before we had a downpour. And this was certainly that. It thudded on the roof in a rhythm I've always found calming. But it wouldn't last. Summer rainstorms never do. It rains intensely for a few minutes before it calms down and the sun comes out. So I had no problem relaxing for a while until the rain slowed down. Since today happened to be my day off, I went to see my friend Nick for some information. He'd lived in the area his whole life, and if anyone had an idea about what was going on with the masks, it would probably be him. Nick worked at the electronics store at the mall, so I headed there. He was perched behind the counter, casually watching people wander in and out when I arrived. Stuart. He greeted me with a smile. What's up? Not much Nick. Just busy with work. Speaking of that, remember I told you about finding random Halloween masks in the park? What about it? I found another one last night. Very similar looking to the first one, but different from the second. Weird. Tell me about it. No one seems to have much of a clue, and since you've always lived around here, I thought if anyone could tell me why this seems to be happening, it would be you. I'm flattered Stuart, but I don't know anything more than you do. He paused. But I do know one person who might be able to help. Nick grabbed a piece of paper and wrote something on it before handing it to me. This is the contact info for Eric Pierce. Professor at the local college. Knows everything about local history. He's a good friend of my aunt's, so just mention that and you'll be good. Thanks Nick. You're the best. I called the number and I was told that Eric Pierce was available for me to talk to tomorrow after I explained who I was and why I wanted to talk to him. Since I didn't have to work until late the following day, I headed over before my shift. Pierce's office was filled with books and papers. Even the elegant mahogany desk was covered with them. Eric Pierce himself was a tall man in his early 50s with grey hair neatly combed back, and he was dressed in a dark grey suit coat, white dress shirt, and slacks. Hello, Stuart. He shook my hand. I think I have information that may be of interest to you and your colleagues. I sat down in one of the comfortable armchairs facing the desk. Excellent. When did these masks start appearing? Late this spring. And never before? Never. He nodded. I suspected as much. Then he grabbed a folder on his desk and pushed it towards me. I opened it and saw it contained several newspaper clippings about a man named James Findlay. They were relatively recent and explained that Findlay was a local criminal who'd gone missing in the woods adjacent to the park where I worked. I was about to ask Pierce a question before the answer was right there in the article. Findlay was often known to wear Halloween masks while robbing stores. This is starting to make more sense, I said. Pierce nodded. I thought it might but it doesn't explain everything." Pierce responded by pushing another file towards me. When I opened it, I saw three missing persons flyers. All three were men in their late 20s, early 30s from neighboring states who'd gone missing within the last several months. It's not official, but I've heard local talk from people who'd seen them that the three men were looking for treasure they thought Findlay had hidden in the woods close to where you work. Or maybe actually in the park you work. No kidding? Indeed. So what do you think happened? Pierce leaned back in his chair. No one knows what exactly happened to Findlay. Maybe he fled somewhere and is living under a new name. Maybe he's right under our noses. Maybe he messed with the wrong person. Maybe something happened to him out in the woods. Or maybe it's a combination of things. But I can say this. People like Findlay just don't stop voluntarily. And since there's been no word of him doing something similar elsewhere, I think it's reasonable to suspect something happened. I nodded. That made sense to me. Where the masks just found laying around in random places. He asked. Yes. He sat there quietly for a moment. When you go looking for treasure, two things can happen. You find nothing, or you find something. And if you find something, it might not be what you wanted. I've found nothing to believe there was even the chance Findlay, or even someone remotely like Findlay, ever buried treasure out in the woods anywhere near here. Or anywhere else for that matter. So why would they come here? Pierce looked at me, and in that moment, I saw him look more than a little unnerved. I think they were lured out there. And I don't need to tell you, people who try to lure people out to the woods by telling them a story typically aren't up to anything good. A chill shot through my body at this. He had a point. I think you may be onto something. Just a theory. But that's all we have right now. Let me know if there's anything else I can do for you. I really appreciate it, Professor Pierce. Anytime. He pushed the two folders towards me. Take this with you for your colleagues. It may help. It may. Thank you again. I left his office and went to work. Once I was there. I told everyone what I found and what Professor Pierce's theory was. They all sat there in silence before agreeing it was just a theory, but beyond plausible. So it was decided to patrol the place more thoroughly in addition to other steps to increase security and keep out people who may be up to something. We involved local people with close ties to the area and had them alert either park personnel or the police if they thought they saw something funny going on. It worked because none of us ever found any more masks. The three men who disappeared were never found, just like James Findlay, and we never figured out how someone got access to the lake. A search team was sent in, but they didn't find anything in the lake itself. The last thing I ever heard about the matter was that a car that was registered to one of the men who disappeared was found abandoned in a field about two hours away from here. Nothing was wrong, and there was no sign of a struggle. How it got there is anyone's guess, but Paula, one of the rangers I worked with, is certain she saw that car in the area right before the masks started showing up. Paula didn't get a good look at the driver, but she swears it wasn't who it was registered to, or any of the other men who disappeared. The creepiest part is that they never did find out who that guy was or what he was up to but witnesses were able to confirm he had been to the local hardware store and bought a bunch of chains and rope. You can call me Zach. I won't reveal my real name. I served in the US Marine Corps for at least four years, longer than it seems most people serve. I was stationed at the military entrance processing station in Bangor main while going through training to join an infantry unit. It's a tough job that requires a lot of stamina and endurance. It's also very stressful. You have to give up a lot of your personal freedom in exchange for discipline and structure, and my time there was most dangerous. While I was stationed there, I witnessed several strange sightings that are still etched into my brain even today after trying my best to forget them. The first sighting happened in the summer of 2009 when I was in the waiting room with my mother and brother. It was an unusually hot day. It felt like 110 degrees outside, even though it really wasn't all that hot. However, we were waiting for the bus to take us back to housing. We had been in there for about two hours now. Everybody in the station was miserable from the heat, and people were starting to lose their tempers for no reason. My mom reminded me of a cartoon character who was trying to keep her composure. She just couldn't stop herself from yelling. At first, I thought it was funny watching people get yelled at, but after a couple of hours, it got really old, and I just wanted to leave. We were sitting near the front desk, talking with two soldiers who had heard our entire conversation, even though they were deep in their own about some event that happened earlier in the day. The following is an account of what happened. My mom told me that she saw the desk. One of the soldiers was not saying much, but the second soldier was retelling his story excitedly. Apparently, he saw a pair of green eyes with a large black creature, also having wings, near one of the bus stops. My mom said she thought it looked like something out of an old Japanese horror movie due to the description. It sounded suspiciously like a mythical creature called the Kappa. She said that it was about the size of a human but had dark green scaly skin, long arms. It also had webbed feet and hands, kind of like it was pointing upwards. It was flying over the sky almost motionless and gliding. When the soldiers got off the bus, terrified, the soldier who saw it in question ran back toward the building to report his sighting of this creature that he thought was just some sort of anomaly at first. He kept saying that it was real, and at first, I thought he was joking. But after a minute or two of talking about how he couldn't believe what he was seeing, both soldiers got horrified. They looked from the front door to the back door, realized it must have been looking at them from one of those windows or had been watching them from the sky ceiling. One of them said that it looked into the sky and kind of just vanished as if it completely disappeared, as if it kind of disintegrated into nothing. He was literally trembling in fear when he saw it, and the thought of drawing his gun on this thing was terrifying if it came back down on him after he went inside. They both had no idea what it was. They thought maybe it had been a genetic experiment or some sort of alien. One guy said he saw something similar when he was up in Alaska, and the other soldiers agreed that it must maybe be a sign from God telling them to stay away from going outside while this thing is lurking around near them. When my mother told me what she saw, I said that it must have been a really strange animal they probably haven't seen before. Most of the military bases in Maine are right next to very large forests, so maybe this thing isn't really a demon or an alien, and it's always been here, but no one's ever noticed it. Maybe somebody went out to the woods and found it, and they were doing something. I told her that I thought these soldiers were just messing with them, and she agreed but said that they looked pretty scared enough to be telling the truth. One of them even sounded like he was going to cry as he described it in its face. I know he may have been lying about it, but that was a pretty good performance if he was. He didn't say much about what it looked like, but he was pretty shaken up. Maybe there really is something out there. In early April of 2017, I required a CAT scan at a local hospital here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm sitting in the waiting area with a couple of other people. Each person was called and taken in by a woman. I was the last one left, waiting for an unreasonably long time, so I kept looking for anyone to call me for my scan. After a while, I became restless, so I got up and looked in the CAT scan hallway, but nobody seemed to be there. I walked over to another area with a reception desk, but no one was there either. I thought they must all be on a lunch break and I was not happy. So I went back to my seat. A few minutes later, the CAT scan hallway door opens and I'm expecting to see that same woman asking me to come in, but this time a man came out. The only words that I can write to describe him are that he was bizarre and downright hideous-looking exceptionally tall and thin. He had on a strange looking suit and tie. His eyes were just slits, his skin was scarred and he was completely bald. My initial thought was, there is no way that this guy works here. He looked so horrid. He would simply scare children and half the people who needed scans. He also had the most insidious wide grin. I really wasn't scared, but completely perplexed why this guy would be allowed to work in this environment. He called out my first name and took great pains in pronouncing it. I followed him in and sat on the scan table. He went around the corner but kept looking at me through the window. Then he was gone. I waited for several more minutes until two other men came in to do my scan. I don't know why, but I didn't ask about the weird looking man. In fact, I actually forgot about him. That was until I was at a friend's home a few weeks later and her sister dropped in for a visit. She mentioned that she worked at the same hospital in the radiology department. So I asked her who the bizarre man that works there was. She gave me a bewildered look and told me that she had no idea what I was talking about. She asked me to detail his appearance to her. She again confirmed that no one with that description worked there and became somewhat hostile at my insistence on what I saw. A week later, I went to my doctor for the results. His words were, I'm sorry, this is quite unusual. Your CAT scan is missing. The scan and report vanished and couldn't be found. Now I wonder if the weird grinning man was responsible. I work for a security firm. We have a few ex-military and law enforcement who are thoroughly trained and, depending on the contract, considerably well-armed. Last year, I was assigned to a nondescript building on the outskirts of Richmond, Virginia. We usually get hired when the government wants to keep something under wraps. The building was large it seemed like a repurposed hospital but updated and sterile. The property was expansive too but it had an 8-foot-high chain-link fence and the grounds were under constant CCTV surveillance. We didn't find any of this the least bit odd, fairly commonplace practice really. There was a roster of about 30 personnel who routinely worked in the building. I recognized all of them and knew a few well enough to have brief conversations, but it was always idle chit chat. None of them ever revealed any information about the site and I never asked until recently. We had hardly received any visitors. But, more recently, it's been really steady from military higher-ups, doctors, and various government agencies. I was typically on perimeter patrol and I preferred it that way. Fresh air, no matter how cold, always kept me on my toes and that's what I was doing the night it happened. The building had been a buzz of activity all day. There had been a record number of visitors. I had seen military vehicles overtly under the grounds. We had gotten word earlier that the contract was coming to an end and I was going to be reassigned somewhere in the Philadelphia area. At that point, there was only a skeleton crew of five or six left inside plus nine other security personnel. They had doubled us up over the last few days. So it was about 10.30 at night and I only. I had another 90 minutes left on my shift. I was on the eastern edge of the grounds doing a routine check of the fence line when my walkie blared out into the silence. All security was being called to the main entry room. The voice spoke frantically and I couldn't make out who was speaking. I started trotting towards the front of the building when I heard an alarm started blaring inside. It sounded like a fire alarm. I double-timed it and I could see another guard running from the west edge of the perimeter. Right before I reached the door it flew open and two women wearing lab coats burst through the entryway running down the steps right past me. They didn't stop to talk. The other guard caught up on me and together we moved into the building. Multiple alarms were going off inside the building and the overhead sprinkler system had been set off. Water was pouring down on the tops of our heads. We made our way to the entry point and linked up with five of our guys. Three were missing. None of us knew what was going on and we were under strict orders not to cross past the entry point unless directed to do so by building personnel. Then, suddenly, two gunshots from the hallway past the door were followed by a scream of pain which was cut short abruptly. Orders or not this is what we were here for. So we moved into the hallway leaving one man back to guard the door. The hallway was clean and sterile like you would see in an intensive care ward. We were unfamiliar with this part of the building and when we came to a junction we split into two groups. I took the north corridor with two other guards and we made our way down the hallway, meticulously checking each room. Most were empty, but others had what looked like medical equipment stored neatly on shelves or covered by tarps. As we neared the end of the hallway we came upon a set of double doors that crashed open slamming into the walls and then a body came soaring down the hallway slamming into the guard next to me. I raised my R to the doorway in response but nothing trained me for what came barreling through. Calling them human would be a stretch, but three of them came crashing through the door after the body. Each was nine feet tall with grayish-green skin and they were completely nude. They bore no signs of gender. Their bodies were lean and a maze of veins ran along each of their limbs. They had human faces but they were devoid of any type of hair. One of the three had a tangle of tubes and wires trailing after it, but the other two were riddled with scars and had gaping holes on their torsos. As soon as they saw us they rushed. I was able to get a single shot off and I watched it soar through the chest of the first one. It didn't even break stride. The last thing I remember then was my head slamming into the hallway wall. I woke up on a military base about 30 miles from where we had been. I immediately knew I was concussed and that I couldn't stand. It was a long time before anyone came to see me and when they did it wasn't the least bit enlightening. There was no explanation as to what I had seen or what those things were. Nobody would even formally acknowledge that I had been engaged in any type of combat at all. I did receive fair medical treatment, but that was it. Eventually one of my superiors came to see me and let me know that I was being placed on temporary leave until I recovered and that I could return to duty after I got home. I tried reaching out to a few of the other contractors I knew but still, I haven't been able to get in touch with any of them. Once this story gets out I'm sure they'll know who blew the whistle. I don't know what will happen to me and at this point, it doesn't really matter. We need to tell people what we saw. I had a friend say to me one day, when did you start working at the mall and why were you acting like you didn't know us when we came in and we were talking to you? Can't you talk to friends when you're on the job? Her and her husband, I said, I don't work at the mall and I didn't see you. They both started laughing. I asked, what are you talking about? They said, so you're serious, you're trying to tell us that we both saw you and were talking to you, but it wasn't you. And they both looked at each other trying to figure out if I was crazy or if they were. A week later, another friend asked me if I liked my job at the mall. She wondered too why I was acting so strange when she came in to say hello. Again, I said I didn't work at the mall and she just looked at me as if to say, ha ha right." After a third friend, and please note, these were close friends, asked me about my new job, I decided I really had to meet her. I went to the store at the mall, but looking around I didn't see anyone that looked like me. As I turned to leave, I heard someone say, what, you can't say hi on your day off? I walked up to them and said I wasn't the girl who worked there. They said, well not today at least, eh? I just said, well, see you later then, and turned and walked out. I tried catching her at work about five times and always managed to go in on her day off. Then, one day I thought I'd try again. I walked in, looked around and someone approached me and said, geez, where have you been? We've been calling you for days. Why haven't you showed up for work the past two weeks? The manager is mad, but he says if we see you, your paycheck's back there in the manager's office. I tried to explain that I wasn't their employee and my friends had told me I looked like her. The guy said, no kidding because I can't tell you apart. The girl even has a mole on her cheek right where you do. I wish I could remember what her name was, not even sure if I ever heard her name. It still baffles me to this day. Last summer I had something happen to me that has left me feeling uneasy since. I live in a small town in central Arkansas. One evening after work, I had to stop at a local convenience store to get some gas for my car. A man and his son stood at the pump opposite me, and a young woman was standing by her car behind him. When the gas nozzle clicked full, I placed it back onto the pump and went inside the store to pay. When I came out, everything seemed different. There was nobody by the pumps. I had paid for my gas and walked back out, in just a minute or so. But there was nobody anywhere. It was so bizarre like I had stepped into another world. I suddenly felt scared but didn't understand why. Then a man walked out of the wooded lot to my right. He was standing by my car at the same time I was heading towards it. When I walked by him, I noticed an awful stench coming from the man. He looked like a normal guy not wearing dirty or old clothes. He looked like he was in his 30s or so. But when I again looked at him, I felt scared. Like something bad was going to happen. I opened my car door and looked back at him. He was staring at me. The man came closer to me, kind of shuffling his feet. I need a ride, the man told me. The way he said it was startling like a physical force hit me right between the eyes. He then said, Give me a ride. That is when I noticed that his eyes had changed to solid black. No whites, no nothing. It was like I was looking into the abyss. The stench was also starting to affect me. Where do you want to go? The man replied, just give me a ride, and don't ask questions, I said, no, I can't. I've got to get home. He took a few steps toward me. I immediately got into the car and closed the door. As I started the car, the man put his face up to my car door window. I felt compelled to look at him. I started to feel sick to my stomach. I put the car in gear and got the heck out of there. This has been troubling me. I've been having terrible dreams about this man almost every night since it happened. I'm almost afraid to go to sleep some nights. This is a small town, everyone knows everyone else. But nobody has seen this black-eyed man. I just don't understand what happened that night. The vast expanse of the eastern North Dakota ranch stretched out before me, bathed in the warm hues of the setting sun. It had been a long, tiring day of ranch work, and I was looking forward to a quiet, peaceful night. Little did I know that what I would encounter that evening would shatter the tranquility of my rural life forever. As the day waned and the sky turned from a brilliant orange to deep indigo, I settled into my cozy ranch house, ready to unwind. I had just turned on the TV, planning to catch up on some news when a sudden rustling outside caught my attention. My heart raced as I muted the television and turned my gaze towards the window. I saw something that sent shivers down my spine. It was a dark, shadowy figure, standing on its hind legs, silhouetted against the fading light. It was enormous, easily 7 to 8 feet tall, with dark fur that seemed to absorb the feeble light. My mind raced, trying to make sense of what I was seeing. A dog, standing on two legs? I had never heard of such a creature. The seconds felt like hours as I watched the mysterious figure, frozen in fear. It moved with an eerie, unnatural grace, its eyes reflecting an otherworldly glint my thoughts were a jumble of confusion and fear. What could this be? A bear? A wolf? It looked nothing like anything I'd ever seen in these parts. After what felt like an eternity, the creature slowly retreated into the shadows and vanished into the night. I was left trembling and bewildered, my heart pounding in my chest. I knew I had to find answers, but my fear held me back. With trembling hands, I reached for my laptop and began to research my bizarre encounter. Desperate to find some explanation, I stumbled upon a website dedicated to cryptids and unexplained phenomena. One term, in particular, caught my eye, Dog Man. The description matched what I had seen, a towering, canine-like creature that stood upright. My heart sank as I delved further into the lore surrounding these creatures. The stories I found were chilling. Tales of encounters with dogmen often painted them as evil and aggressive beings, capable of unspeakable acts. I couldn't shake the feeling that I had crossed paths with something beyond our understanding, something dark and malevolent. For weeks, I couldn't sleep. Every rustle of the wind outside, every distant howl of a coyote, sent my heart racing. The once peaceful ranch now felt like a realm of dread. I started locking my doors and windows even during the hottest summer nights. As time passed, the memory of that fateful night haunted me. I couldn't shake the feeling that the dogman was still out there, looking in the shadows, waiting. I knew I had seen something inexplicable, something that defied all reason. And though I prayed I would never encounter it again, the fear that had taken root in my heart would never truly fade away. About five, maybe six years ago, I was at my best friend's birthday party. I was out on the porch having a cigarette and chatting to a few people. I had never met these guys before that, so I can't personally attest to their level of honesty, but this is the story they told me. As we were standing around chatting, my phone was on the table next to me. It buzzed, and the screen lit up to show I had a new notification from Dog Man Encounters Radio. The guy I was talking to looked down when my phone went off, and he recognized the channel name. He looked at me, with a really serious expression on his face, and he asked me, you know about that shit? I said, oh, f yeah. Never seen one myself, but I find the subject incredibly interesting, I laughed when I said it, but his expression never changed. He then asked me if it would be okay if we stepped outside so he could tell me a story in private. We stepped out in the backyard, and he told me this. He said that he and three other people were in a car together. They were traveling north towards Richmond, not that far north of the city we were in at the time. He said that at some point, every one of them in that vehicle saw a huge, bipedal, hairy, thing cross the highway in front of them, in only a few steps. They said it was probably seven to eight feet tall, long arms, tall ears, weird legs, no tail, dark grey fur, and a long snout. Stereotypical dogman description. I didn't think too much of it at first. I thought he was just drunk and messing with me a little bit. Until, he finished his story, and he told me that one of his friends that was in the car that night, was also here at the party. He asked me if I'd be willing to listen to the other guy's account of the story. Which I happily agreed to do. So, He went inside to find his friend. When they came back out to where I was, the gentleman I had been talking to prior, explained to his friend that I know about Dogman, and I wanted to hear his story. The second guy turned pale when he heard that. It was late at night and dark af out, but I could still see the color drain from his face. He was obviously uncomfortable, but he agreed to talk to me. The first guy I talked to went back inside and left us alone because he wanted me to know that he wasn't influencing his friend's story. The second guy told me the exact same story. The only differences were a few very minor details, and the level of genuine fear and angst I felt from them made me believe that they actually experienced something. So, either this is a memory that both of the guys actually experienced, or there are a couple of married tricksters that like messing with people and they've developed an intricate act, specifically about Dogman, to do just that. Anyway, that's it. This happened at the end of last year. The night after Christmas of 2022, to be exact. For context, my sister is someone who needs hard proof of anything before turning to belief. She is not someone who would make up a story like this for shits and giggles. She is also very easily frightened and hates scary pranks, which my family admittedly loves doing. She is the younger of us all, so we love teasing her, but we never go overboard, and her being the baby of the family means we are all protective of her. So, it is the night after Christmas, and we're all gathered in my mother's country house watching Marley and me of all things all is going well until we start hearing thumping noises around the house, nothing spooky or out of the norm since we have little critters running around half the time. We were just all aware of the sounds. Up to this point, I thought we were playing a silent agreement prank on her, so I joined into the tapping and knocking without her noticing. She also thought it was a prank, and was calling us out for it, but we were all denying it. That is until we start hearing what sounded like someone throwing stuff around. That is when we caught on that it was someone or something outside making these noises. Still, we did nothing about it because there are dogs that sometimes try to get into the trash cans, but by this time, my sister is already getting alarmed. At this point, I had caught on that it wasn't a prank, and stopped all tapping and knocking, and it went quiet for a little bit. We continued watching the movie. Then, some minutes after, my sister lets out the most terrified shriek I've heard. She sprang away from the seat next to the window she was on, claiming she saw something going by, and started crying and near hyperventilating. Our brothers and I jumped into action and went outside to see what was out there, and we found. Nothing. There was some stuff thrown around, which we already expected, but other than our gate security lights being on there was absolutely nothing to see. We walked around to see if we had to shoo away a dog or small animal, but there was nothing there. She was begging us to come inside all the while, and refused to step outside. My sister downright refused to talk about what she saw even when we questioned her, so we decided to call it a night, but she was so shaken up that she decided to sleep in my bedroom with me. Mind you, we are women in our early 30s or late 20s. We left after a couple days, and I pretty much forgot about the incident, until yesterday. We were having a video call, and she told me she had something to confess even though she was afraid I'd think she was crazy. She told me the night of the incident, what made her scream and panic like that was a four-legged creature running on all fours across the field between our security gate and our house. I was like okay, maybe it was a dog that she saw after all, but nope her voice was breaking apart in fear and wonder when she described a damn werewolf looking thing. Big, around 10 feet at least is what she guessed, limbs long and strangely shaped, covered in hair and although she said it was obviously very fast, it seemed to her that it was moving deliberately slow, as if it wanted to be seen. It's suddenly like her personality changed. She turned into a steadfast believer and I'm honestly skeptical. I've always read about cryptids from an entertainment point of view, and she knows this, which is why she confided in me, and why I know of this sub, and I want to be supportive, but how can such a thing be true? Looking back, I have one single experience that might be related, but even so, I think it was a dog that she saw, and in her already frightened state, her brain made her see other things. I don't know what to think. I don't want to give her the impression that I think less of her because of this, because I really don't, but I don't know how to handle this. All I know is that my little sister is terrified. Everyone, I have a new account now, and I went and saw them like one of you suggested out in southern Indiana. I rented the cabin and blasted the music, and here they came, three of them but what's strange is they didn't try to run me off when I opened the cabin door. I didn't have a gun and didn't have any urge to harm them, so I don't know if that was it, but they stood next to our car and looked at me and my friend, almost as if saying hi. I'm firmly convinced they weren't there to scare or harm but to warn, almost like they knew I wanted to see them. I can tell you these are flesh and blood animals but extremely intelligent, just by how they moved and the look in their orangish eyes. Each had slightly different colored coats. One was almost black, the other a more normal brown. He stood closest to me, and it was definitely a he. Farthest away was a female, I believe. The almost black one was younger than the others, as he stood a bit shorter, at about six feet even, I'd say. The other two were similar in height, around seven feet. I looked at them like this from outside the cabin mere feet between us, about 10 feet from us, and I never felt that I was in danger. But just as quickly as they had arrived, they turned to their left and ran. I'd say the whole encounter was around 4 minutes, start to finish, but it was something glorious. I don't even know where to begin. On the early morning of the 9-11 events i woke up after having the strangest experience of my life i had this dream where i found myself inside a building after what it looked like some kind of earthquake or an explosion i could see offices destroyed desks phones papers printers computers everywhere holes in walls and floors where you could see into other sections of the building I could see those lights with the long bulbs hanging everywhere and flickering and I could taste dust in my mouth. Lots of it. At some point I encountered a huge hole in one of the walls and when I got closer I could see down to what I recognized was Central Park. This walk through in this building lasted for it seemed forever and I was the only one there. I remember waking up with the strangest of feelings, around 1 or 1.30 am on the morning of 9-11 with a racing heart and soaked in sweat. A huge headache but a kind of headache I've never had before. It was a headache but did not hurt. I can't explain this. Also a sense of confusion. I woke up from that dream in a hyper state of WTF was that? type of thing. I was living in Vermont at the time with an ex. I woke up and went to bathroom and I sat on toilet lid trying to understand what I was experiencing and to rationalize I just had a weird dream. My ex came into the bathroom and asked me if I was alright since I spent so long in there according to her but from my perspective it had only been a couple of minutes. I let her in and shared my dream in detail. She listened and convinced me to go back to bed that it was just a bad dream so I did. Fell back asleep and the next morning I went to work as usual when I get a call from her at work and I will never forget what she said to me. It's happening. OMG your dream it's happening I remember freezing in place to the old landline phone to my ear. I can't remember what I said or did before walking to the hotel's restaurant TV and watching as the second plane hit the towers. I was in my 20s then. Late 40s currently. I am agnostic and skeptic. I am no longer with my ex, but we share a daughter and talk once every few years. And we really, really dislike each other. But the only time when we can talk like civilized people is when we remember that experience. As the years have gone by, we compare memories and what we recall. We always recall the experience the same way, same order of events. I wish I knew what it meant. Maybe there was something I could have done, but maybe they would have thought I was crazy or worse. Involved? I carried an immense amount of guilt after. I drank heavily for some time until I moved to Maine at the time and forgave myself on the account that I didn't even understand the dream myself to begin with. If anybody read this, thanks. Sorry for the length. Thoughts appreciated. I had a dream a few months back where I was standing in the backyard of my parents old house and I had this super black 7 to 8 tall dog man standing next to me. And I was too scared to look up at his face, but I knew while in the dream that it was a dog man. It felt like it was making its presence known to me that it was real being and it knew I was aware of their existence. It didn't attack me or anything and then the dream ended. I heard a story from a friend years before I'd ever heard of Dogman where someone seen something with glowing eyes that went from being 3 foot tall to being 8 foot tall on the side of the road not even a mile from my house. Makes me wonder if there's one in that area. I also had a life-changing close-up encounter with a flying disc that hovered over the road right in front of me about a mile away from where this supposed sighting happened not sure if the two are connected but i'm kind of scared i might have an encounter with a dog man at some point